0: wonderful to be back with my Black Rock family today. Hope is to the spirit what oxygen is to the lungs. And yet, in spite of the fact that hope is so important to life, it seems to be an endangered species in the world. The Hartford Current, in an article just two days ago, was reporting on life expectancy. Dr. William Dietz, a disease prevention expert at George Washington University, said this financial struggles, a widening income gap, and divisive politics. Are all casting a pall over many Americans. I really do believe that people are increasingly hopeless, and that leads to drug use. It leads potentially to suicide. C.S. Lewis, in his Narnia Tales, pictured a land where it is. Always winter, but never Christmas. And somehow I get the feeling that we're living in that land in these very critical days in our lives. A land where it is always winter and never Christmas. Despair hangs like a pallor over the world. But the Bible is filled with messages of hope. Proverbs 23, 18, there is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, I know the plans I have for you Plans to prosper you and not to hurt you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Jeremiah thirty-one seventeen. So there is hope for your future, declares the Lord. And in Zechariah 9, 12, Zechariah refers to the people who really trust in God. As prisoners of hope. Well these Old Testament promises of a coming Redeemer gradually and more and more became identified with a person and with his name and titles. I'd like for us to think together this morning of some of these names and titles that were promised as a basis for hope. The first one is from Isaiah 7:14. The name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. His name shall be called Emmanuel. And then see also chapter 8, verse 10, where the prophet is speaking to the enemies of God. And this is what he says. Devise your strategy, but it will be thwarted. Propose your plan, but it will not stand. For God is with us God is with us and yet so many times in our lives he seems so far away but if God seems far away the question is who moved it's not God that moved it's us Because Jesus promised in Matthew 28, 20, that, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Now, with this great promise that God would be with us, it leads to two other great truths. The first one is, God is for us. Romans chapter 8. Verse 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? What a wonderful, wonderful truth to know that God is not against us, God is for us. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 8.32, he spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. And then Romans 8.33 asks the question, if God is with us and if God is for us, then who who can (coughs) can be against us? Who has the right to condemn us. Paul answers only Christ. And he doesn't condemn us, he prays for us. And the second truth that accompanies the fact that God is with us is that God can be in us. Colossians one twenty seven Christ in you is the hope of glory. What a marvelous truth that God can dwell within us in spite of any of the problems that life throws at us. But he does not force his way in. He said, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to Him. the Christmas Carol, Little Town of Bethlehem, has these very potent words. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of His heaven. No ear may hear His coming but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. God is with us. The second promise comes from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and it is wrapped up in several titles which the coming Redeemer would bear. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, And the government will be on his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now this does not mean that the coming Redeemer would actually bear those names in real life, but rather that he should deserve those titles, and that they would be descriptive of his character. So let's glance at them. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. In Isaiah eleven two, 2, it says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel. And of power, the spirit of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. In Isaiah 28, 29, it says, All this comes from the Lord Almighty, wonderful in counsel. Oh, how wonderful to have someone who loves us, who knows us, who created us who has a plan for our lives. His plan is always the best possible plan. But often we struggle against it. We fight against it. We don't want to give in to it. But he is the wonderful counselor. He knows what's best. Yield to his leading. It's so important. And then his name shall be called Mighty God. Born unto us a child is born refers to his humanity. But this refers to his deity. And the unique message of Christmas is that this is God who was born. Not just a man, but this was God. Jesus said in John 14:9, He who has seen me has seen the Father. And the Christmas carol says, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. His name is mighty God. Thirdly, his name is everlasting Father. That he acts toward us as a father does toward his children. Psalm 103, verse 13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on us. I never understood that verse until I had children. And I suffered with them through heartaches, disappointments, tragedies. I'll never forget one telephone conversation I had with one of my children who had just suffered a terrible blow. We said hello and we wept for 20 minutes on the phone. That's compassion. And God says, Jesus has compassion for you. He loves you. He bears your burdens. He he wants to be at your side. He's the everlasting Father. He's the Father of eternity. The origin of all being. Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He is the everlasting father. And finally, he is the prince of peace. In Micah 5.5, Micah describes the coming redeemer and says, he will be our peace. And in Ephesians 2.14, the Apostle Paul says, for he himself is our peace. He offers us peace with God, peace with ourselves, peace with other people, and peace wherever it is truly sought. The third promise is found in Luke one thirty one and it's in the name Jesus. The angel said to Mary, You will be with child, and will give birth to a son, and you are to call him the name Jesus. And in a dream, the angel of the Lord spoke to Joseph and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins." Oh, how the people in the Old Testament needed hope. How the people just before the birth of Christ needed hope. Listen to the evaluation of that great historian, Alfred Edersheim, as he describes the days just before the birth of Christ. The reign of Augustus marked not only the climax but also the crisis of Roman history. Whatever of good or evil the ancient world contained had become fully ripe. As regarding politics, philosophy, religion, and society, the utmost limits had been reached. Beyond them lay as the only alternative, ruin or regeneration. What is worse, the noblest spirits of the time felt that the state of things were utterly hopeless. Society could not reform itself. Philosophy and religion had nothing to offer. They had passed through every stage to that of despair. Seneca longed for some hand from without to lift up from the mire of despair. Cicero pictured the enthusiasm which would greet the embodiment of true virtue should it ever appear on the earth. Tacitus declared human life one great farce and expressed his conviction that the Roman world lay on some lay under some terrible curse. All around, despair, conscious and unconscious longing. But then, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a virgin, and they named him Jesus. And what a change. What hope that brought. One of the Christmas songs says this. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And O little town of Bethlehem says, The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. You are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is the Greek form of Joshua, which means the Lord saves. And in Joel 2.32, it says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter repeated that in his great sermon on the day of Pentecost. Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Oh, dear friend, have you called on the name of Jesus Have you asked him to come into your life and save you from your sins and guide you the rest of your days? Oh, what a beautiful name. What a wonderful invitation. And then in Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11, the Apostle Paul writes this, God exalted Jesus Gloria Gaither wrote a beautiful little monologue about the name Jesus. I'd like to read it for you. It's entitled, There's Just Something About That Name. Jesus. The mere mention of his name can calm a storm, heal the brokenhearted, raise the dead, At the name of Jesus, I have seen sin-hardened men melted, derelicts transformed, the lights of hope put into the eyes of a hopeless child. I've heard a mother softly breathe his name at the bedside of a child, delirious from fever. And I've watched that little body give quiet, grow quiet, and the fevered brow cooled. I have sat at the bedside of a dying saint, her body racked with pain. And When those final fleeting seconds summoned her last ounce of ebbing strength, I have heard her whisper her sweetest name, Jesus, Jesus. Emperors have tried to destroy it. Philosophies have tried to stamp it out. Tyrants have tried to wash it from the face of the earth with the very blood of those who claimed it. And yet, it stands. And there shall be that final day when every voice that has ever uttered a sound, every voice of Adam's race, Shall raise in one mighty chorus to proclaim the name of Jesus. For in that day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. So you see, it was not mere chance. That caused an angel one night long ago to say to a Virgin Mary, His name shall be called Jesus. 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 Oh, there is something about that name. Have you called on the name of Jesus? If you haven't, I beg you to do it. Invite him into your life to be your Lord and Savior. And if you have called on the name of Jesus, think of this. You bear his name right now. Acts eleven twenty six 26 says the disciples were first called Christians from Christ, Christians at Antioch. And today we use the, the little phrase, I'm a Jesus follower. You bear his name. When one of my kids was a senior in high school, he said, Dad, I, I'd like to go on senior break in Florida. I wasn't happy about it, but I realized that he's got to make his own decisions in life. So I talked to him, and I said, I'm going to let you make the decision, but I want to tell you, you are going to be faced with all kinds of temptation, and don't you dare do anything to bring disgrace on the alibi name. He told me years later, that little sermon that I preached kept him through great temptation. The name of Jesus. We bear his name. And you shall call his name Jesus. There is strength in the name of the Lord. There is power in the name of the Lord. And there is hope in the name of the Lord, foretold by the prophets, realized in Christ, and available for us today. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.